diz, camarada, que eu vinha na tua aldeia, camarada, um dia. talking today about a book by Theta Scotch Bull, quite famed. Theta. And Vanessa she Williamson. She is very old at this point, she's, right? She's got to be pretty old. She's, um, been, she's been... She's been in the game a while. A long time, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're reading their book called The Tea Party and the Remaking of Republican Conservatism. We're closer to some of my terrain here. We are closer to some of your terrain. Good. Um, and so I actually, given that, wanted to just start off by asking you, sort of, what do you know about the Tea Party? How would you, if somebody was like, "Hey, I'm, I'm not from here," tell, tell me about the Tea Party. Yeah, or like if started around Obama's election, following Obama's election, mm -hmm. uh, was a group of mostly white people f 
funded by the Koch brothers primarily, and um, can't remember. Oh, fuck, what was it called? Uh, Crossroads USA was also involved. Carl Rove's uh, pack was involved in their funding. A lot of AM radio advertisements. Um, I've got a whole bunch of them from those recordings my dad, dad made. Wild. Um, from 2010 through 2011, even still, a lot of um, on those on that AM dial. There's a ton of like, do you want to get? Do you want to save our country? Um, go to this blah 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 tea party thing. And yeah. how would you describe their ideology? I would describe their ideology as. Um, primarily anti-Obama. Uh-huh. What else? Um, well, a kind of incoherent anti-government. Yeah. And um, a real um, kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like, they're like nostalgic cosplayers. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Right. A There's like a, it's like a, it's like a less aggressive MAGA, right? Right. Insofar as it's like, they're wearing tricorn hats and not... Uh, in the protest events. Yeah. Right. So this book is interesting um, in a number of ways because what um, Scotchpole and Williamson really end up doing is looking at the less public face of the Tea Party and looking nice. at the many, many, many... I mean, they don't look at all of them, I guess, but there was over a 1,000 grassroots local tea parties. That were all organized on AM radio. And well, here's the thing actually, is that they actually show some, that to call this a movement funded by the Koch brothers mm -hmm. is both true and not at all true. Okay, cool. Um, so you are both correct in that and completely wrong when we're like looking at these like local grassroots groups. Um, they were just like really sad, lonely people. So. <laughs> no, like I mean, it's so I want you to actually just get into it. All right. And read the first, the first thing. I mean, one of the things I guess that I've given you here, and I'll I'll set up some of it is just like they really argue hard that oh, Scotchpole and Williamson, Scotchpole and Williamson, that in their series of interviews that they conduct, that like these are just like normal folk that are part of this movement and they're not like lonely they're married happy seniors like maybe not happy i don't know <laughs> but here just read the I'll, all right you can use some of, I, i've given you some of the language that they use to describe them so do you want me to read number one here yeah just start scotch pole and williamson go to great lengths to talk about how ordinary how charmingly everyday the tea party folks are mainly ordinary older married white educated middle-class americans but then sprinkled throughout the book or quotes like this one from page 19. The couple owns only three guns, not much of a collection by Arizona standards. Mostly they have stockpiled ammunition along with food supplies to last 18 months. Stan and Glory want to be ready in case the U.S. economy and social order collapse, a possibility regularly discussed on Fox News, which the couple reports watching for about six hours every day. Can you imagine? No. Six hours of any cable news, I mean. God. Yeah. Wow. So it's like, they're like, these are like kind people. They, you know, uh, took us into our homes. They're friendly. They're is like every day. Is this going to tell us a story about how Fox News is really, really some deviltry? 
Uh, I don't know if it does. We haven't read that chapter yet. Okay. Um, so I am only, I'm reading this for the first time with the students. Okay. I found it to be really interesting, and especially in this moment of Trump's ascendancy, mm-hmm. like coming after Maybe I'll this. teach it in 116. It's really Could I teach it in 116? Is it accessible enough for oh, a freshman class? Oh, it's very class? accessible. It's very accessible. Okay. Huge chunks of like quotes from interview subjects. Oh, great. Very plain language. Excellent. Um, but pretty rigorous study of, mm-hmm. you know. Um, cool. I'll have to take a look at it. A combination of public opinion survey data, um, but then a, a much more in-depth look at the actual grassroots activists that are um, hmm. engaged in the, the kind of local organizing hmm. efforts that that I think really make the Tea Party what it what it is. So well, yeah, was, so we right? see both pictures of kind of ordinary people, but then also weird they regularly preppers. look kind of nuts, like right? So preppers. it's like even though they're always extremely polite in their kind of like descriptions and mm-hmm. they clearly have really worked to have like an empathetic understanding of these people that they're interviewing and I think respect them in actually a number of ways as mm-hmm. skilled activists. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time when they're like, these guys are just like, just like, just like your own grandparents, and then maybe your grandparents also stockpile food and ammunition. But like <laughs> this, like, you know, is like out there even in terms of like I don't think you and I have particularly our grandparents were not elite people, right? And they still weren't stockpiling food, you know. My grandfather had more than three guns, though. Yeah, he was a hunter. <laughs> he wasn't stockpiling ammunition and food. Not to my knowledge. All anyway. right, uh, on page thirty-one. Whatever their worries about jobs, home values, and retirement savings, older white conservatives flocked to the Tea Party protests only when a Democratic president in Congress took office. The economic plunge starting in 2008 may have rattled Tea Partiers' sense of economic well-being, but it was the progressive policy agenda of Barack Obama that triggered their efforts at mobilization. So, yeah, they were anti-Obama. Yeah, and that really comes across pretty strongly in the in the book, I think, um, that so much of this was a reaction um, to Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also do some interesting kind of dancing around some of the racial issues that sh- they do talk about head on, but it's also kind of interesting, but I'll sort of bracket that just for the moment. Sure. Um, because we'll get some quotes that deal okay. with it more directly. Okay. But yeah, so then one of the things that this is right, just as a reminder to the students who I guess this is still in their lifetime, but they were probably pretty still relatively little during that recession, right? Third grade, something like that. (laughs) So, you know, but this is still, there is a big economic upheaval. And I I mean, as the students are probably familiar with, even with the story of the rise of Trump, right? There's this question of like, is this economic anxiety or something else, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think Scotchpole and Williamson both identify that they're is plenty of sort of feelings of economic anxiety, but know many times that these are people that are middle-class people, they're principally retirees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the way that, the who the recession affected- They ain't losing their jobs. Dramatically was like young people trying to enter the workforce, you know, it affected dramatically, far more dramatically, young people and people of color in particular. Like this is not the demographic that's the hardest hit by right. the recession. Um, so just as a sort of empirically, right, even though this is part of their talking point, um, mm-hmm. kind of 
stuff that it's just they really aren't. You know, we're talking about people in like right. fine homes that aren't right. going to lose them in the. You know. Okay. Okay. Um, page thirty-three. Sam, anti-government extremists have unquestionably found their way into Tea Party groups. For example, members of the Oath Keepers, a group centered on current and former law enforcement officers. Expecting the Obama administration to declare martial law across the country and detain citizens en masse, Oath Keepers proclaim their readiness to engage in armed insurrection to counter this supposed threat from the federal government. That's an evergreen uh, kind of right-wing paranoia, right? Yeah. And one of the things, I, I put this quote in, I was not exactly sure which quote to put here, because they go on this long thing about how there's, like, violent rhetoric in the Tea Party, the tea party. rhetoric, right? So sure. there's things They're like... calling back to the revolution, right? So um, so Governor Brown of... Jerry Brown? Jerry Brown California. of... What? California. Is that who it is? Who was... No, who was, was elected in... Was supposed to be a bulwark against Obamacare in Massachusetts. Scott Brown. Scott Brown. So Scott Brown. Senator. Senator Scott Brown gets elected and I think lets them down, actually. Um, but he, there's a sign that says something like, if Brown won't do it, my Browning will, or something like this. Hi -yo. Hi -yo, right? So referencing their gun or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that, and Again, it's, it's sort of, it's an interesting, it's really an interesting book. I actually like this sort of about it. But they're like, look, this kind of rhetoric, like violent rhetoric is dangerous, mm -hmm. but it's also common. And mm -hmm. like movements of all per political persuasions have used violent rhetoric and this kind of thing. And these aren't really militia types. No, is like this is like, this is like, take from this. this is not, you know, for the most part, a group of, of you know, in spite of the fact that you have these like old, retirees that are like hoarding ammo for the like coming Armageddon like they're not like going out to like do training and you know I don't know bring down the state that said there are groups that are actually militia groups that are kind of you know mm -hmm. circulating through these groups at the same time yeah. so even if we don't think about the Tea Party as a violent group we see sort of violent fringes that are Mm -hmm. that are attached. The right, this is how the right works. Yeah. Some respectable groups that hold a line, circulate crazy extremists, and the well, Republican Well, wait, hold, hold party. off, because we'll see some of how this actually... I'm ready, I'm ready. Like, we actually uh, see uh, some, it's like kind of interesting, but in any case, there's a lot I think of like, they don't really talk about how the these groups are at all managed, right? But it's where there's like basically ideological overlap. Mm -hmm. And some, I mean, to me it just doesn't seem, I guess, like what's, what's interesting isn't like that this is how the right does something or another, but more that like, I'm actually not sure how much distance there is between the people that have the hoarding ammunition and food and the Oath Keepers that are preparing to take a stand against martial law. like. I actually Those just, people seem ready. I'm just not sure that there's the three is guns, glory, and stand. Yeah, I, I'm they not, seem ready. I'm not sure there's like a. I'm not taking an oath. But. I'm not sure there's a radical difference here, in spite of the sort of like parsing out of like the normal people versus the violent reactionaries, and like oh yes, yes, everyone. Why do you think they make the distinction, Scotch Poland Williamson? 
I don't know. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Because, I don't know. I mean, you don't. I don't know. I mean, I didn't go talk to these people in their homes. Um, and right. maybe I would feel somewhat differently. But I guess that I think the line seems... Cl I'm not saying that the Stan and Glory or Gloria or whatever they call it. Yeah, Stan and Gloria. Um, I'm not saying that they themselves... Like I said, I don't think they're like militia people. I don't think they're going to go try to like... There's some examples But they of, do like, seem ready to engage in armed insurrection. Or self-defense of some kind. Self-defense. Right? Presumably they're... That's the difference. I think that's the difference, is that they're, like, out for... And Aggressive I mean, insurrection versus crazed self-defense. <laughs> self-defense. So in any case... Like, I do see how that's a blurrier line than... But I, they, mm -hmm. I think, draw a starker line than when I read that quote. Like I said, it just... I mean... I'm with you. You and I have... I'm with you. ...a diverse... Our family's unit in our two families is ideologically diverse. Mm -hmm. And it still is like, doesn't. You, yeah. I guess that those two seem farther on that ideological, like closer on that ideological yeah. line than anyone. No, I'm not totally. My dad never did any tea party <laughs> things, but I think he was closer. He probably was closer. Than you'd want. He probably was. He probably was closer. He might have been on some email lists. Oh, he probably, so they were huge into email forwards. It was like a huge He was definitely getting some of those, I bet. So I'm I bet sure he, he had to have been getting some of those forwards just because of His their, hobbies. And because of where they lived. I mean, mm -hmm. there's just mm -hmm. like no doubt that your dad was getting some Tea Party emails from, from some of these folks. Man. But your dad wasn't hoarding ammo and food. Because there's also, they, I mean, these guys, Scotch, these women. Nobody had all those radios so that they <laughs> were ready to, he was ready to communicate ready when to communicate. the phone system went down. But that had nothing to do with Armageddon. He just did that. It had a lot to do with Armageddon, <laughs> but it was not started by Obama. <laughs> like, he got into that in the 60s. So <laughs> it had something to do with Armageddon, for sure. Army, Cold War Armageddon. Um, Scotchpole and Williamson separate out people like your dad, mm -hmm. actually, as these, like, who would show up in survey data. But he, they, um, they would call someone like your dad, like, an, an armchair oh, absolutely. tea partier, absolutely. right? Like, yeah, he's I not, would like, definitely, actually <laughs> I would going, apply that label. Right? And For so, sure. like, that's, like, they would sort of lump him into this, like, and we're, like I said, they're making... They do look at this public opinion data and will put someone like your dad would fall into some of their categories, but who they're really focusing on in this are the real mm -hmm. strong grassroots activists, activists yeah. right? People show up. Yeah. All right. Um, page 35. The Tea Party contains social conservatives and libertarians, and when it comes to hammering our shared positions on setting priorities for local Tea Party activity... Hammering out should have been... Hammering out shared positions or setting priorities for local Tea Party activity. There can be significant friction between these two clusters, particularly about religion and the role of government in enforcing moral standards. Mm -hmm. So you have libertarians and social conservatives, anti-abortion, anti-gay. Correct. Activists alongside libertarians. And this, understandably, caused some friction in the groups. Yeah. And it's interesting. Who wins? The, can you guess? Uh, 
I would guess that the Libertarians win. Wrong. Libertarians are the big losers here. And while Scotchpole and Williamson say that they, hmm. in a lot of cases, kind of like work out their differences and the Libertarians, I mean, basically what you get is like Libertarians compromising to get what they want, which is smaller government. So they sort of like ignore some of the social stuff. But in other, in multiple examples that they give, you actually see Libertarians like leaving or, or being coming disaffected. So like they hang on... Um, because of these like broader, they want to push the politics in a certain way, but they almost always like cede to the religious mm. Um, mm. sort of conservatives, which is interesting, I think, because again, one of the things we see is like your initial um, mm -hmm. framework of this being like a Koch brothers mm -hmm. thing, you see a very different kind of ideology, it's ideology moral majority and all over again at the grassroots. And in attempting to n be broader than that, in their sort of small government language, but that really it had a huge amount of that kind of Christian right um, vibe. That's interesting. And, and in fact, like including like moving, you know, that she tells or they tell the story of um, moving, you know, one of the meetings into a church and like losing some members mm -hmm. because that's like become too religious. And so like even though they're trying to sort of appeal more broadly and they do end up having this tent that includes libertarians that the um that kind of social conservatism tends to be ascendant in all in the majority of these hmm. groups hmm. interesting i mean i would argue probably because of their bigger history in organizing mm -hmm. i mean that makes sense like to these me are too. not political newcomers or newcomers to civic life for the most part, right? These people have been active in other kinds of civic. Right, and they're joiners. Yeah. Right? And so. And leaders. And leaders, for that matter, right? Yeah. Unlike libertarians. Right. Who tend to be a little more. Well, less group oriented. Right. Right. Ideologically, yeah. I, you know. Ideologically less group oriented, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Page 51. Many Tea Party members are Protestant evangelical Christians who have transferred the skills and approaches of Bible study directly to the Constitution. Yeah, they did. Mm -hmm. Tea Partiers, oh, and Tea Parties part. across the country participate in Constitution study groups. Jesus. At supper time, one Tea Party activist requires his children to read from the Bible and the Constitution, the two holy texts in his household. That's interesting. That's really interesting. It reminds me of the um, constitutional activism in the 1920s. Hmm. When that's when we started, that's when this guy who makes his kids read from the Constitution at dinner, that's when um, you had groups starting to ascent to kind of create that uh, worship of the Constitution. One of the things in the 1920s. One of the things that's so fast. Also prompted by lots of immigration. Right, right. One of the things that was really interesting to me about this part was that there's this whole um, section where she, where they talk about um, the ways in which the evangelical or the Protestant sort of, like you can read the Bible, you don't need an elite interpreter, you know, like you can understand it for yourself, that kind of direct relationship right, right. has been like transferred to the Constitution. I don't need no judge. Yeah. And so it's basically like you don't need any legal interpreter. There's no 
like that any individual could just read that and understand Unmediated exactly relationship to the to law the, to the law yeah which i was like this is amazing like it's like this exactly like they've really just transferred this kind of like religious ideology onto this kind of political ideology in like from everything from this like unmediated relationship to the constitution to the law to the sort of you know sacred text of the constitution and like it's a huge thing these pocket constitutions were like huge and like it started in the 20s yeah so that that becomes this like massive thing LAU root there's Hamilton's like whole, own was part of that um like so you could go to special workshops to like and there's like video tutorials and like all kinds of material that could like Video tutorials for what? To help you through if you're having trouble with your Constitution? constitutional readings. Help you with your constitution study groups. Well, or your own personal journey, I guess, with the Constitution. Your own constitutional journey? <laughs> I mean, yeah. But yeah. Oh and apparently God. some of these people make mad money for their like workshops, constitutional workshops. What to, the like, fuck am I doing? Podcasting <laughs> for free right now. I could do a constitutional workshop and... Yeah, you take some start. Rube's money. <laughs> you can start sending, sending, yeah, setting up study groups. You would be on the circuit. Man, maybe I should organize a Constitution study group. <laughs> <laughs> that would be make funny. Make some video tutorials. Could make some YouTubes. YouTubes. All right. Um, I still this thing making his kids read from the Bible, the Constitution. <laughs> Give well, me can ideas you imagine here. supper at that house? Definitely looks different than supper at our house. Yeah, duh, that kid eats whatever like, you put in front of that kid. <laughs> you're like, Simone, please use a fork. And she didn't. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, page 68 and 69. The racially insensitive comments made in... Racially insensitive or just racist? It's just... I'm just... All right. The racially insensitive comments made in person were only a very faint echo of the racial slurs that appear rarely but persistently at Tea Party rallies across the country, including in signs with racial epithets and signs equating the presidency of Barack Obama to white slavery. Jesus Christ. By contrast, fear and hatred of Islam and Muslims were commonly expressed. And on page 71, Tea Partiers regularly invoke illegal immigrants as prime examples of freeloaders who are draining public coffers. Yeah, so so racial appeals are, turns out, pretty central. Pretty central, though interestingly, in the um, interviews, even though the, the anti-black, anti-Obama stuff that was coming out periodically in some of these rallies was definitely more downplayed in the interview okay. that she has. Which was they were not less racist in the interviews. Against black people, mm-hmm. not against Muslims or immigrants. Right. And made a big deal of, like, talking about how, you know, they had black speakers. In the Tea Party. Yeah. Yeah. They welcomed black speakers. Yeah. Some lady adopted black children. Sure. Um, and it's just used as like a weird. Yes, <laughs> used as weird. Used as weird. I wasn't. It was a little. That part was a little. Not adoption. I, I struggled but, with that yeah. part. Um, about not the adoption part, but the like use of that as somehow 
should show us evidence that you're not racist. Racists, um, despite having anyway. Anyway, keep so, on. but the the Tea Party actually was attempting at the grassroots was attempting to police some of that m- most um, virulent virulent racism at protest events. Uh-huh. So they were like trying to figure out ways to like avoid that so that they looked more respectable. Um, Maybe don't have an ideology that will bring those people to your yeah events. Well, and I mean, like it's I said, one option. It's a great way to police it. Every conversation that you see represented about Obama is like definitely playing on these like race themes, and you know, Scotchpole and Will- Williamson are like, well, I mean, they were going to use whatever they could use that was convenient. I feel like Du Bois that we just podcasted about helps explain a lot of this, these nervous reflexes and yeah. well-worn habits and customs and pathways. Yeah. So in any case, but they they like don't even bother when it's like anti-Muslim and anti-immigrant. They're like not even trying to be polite. That's like far more just on the table even in the um, interview materials. People are weird. Yeah. People are weird. But the white slavery thing was huge in the stuff I was reading. I think I've mentioned this now multiple times, but I read that book about the kid that left the Stormfront family um, or white supremacy, and that was, like, a big part of that was this, like, idea of white genocide and white slavery and these Mm -hmm. um, things were big in the... White slavery was big in the 1830s, too. They talked about that then. Mm-hmm. Um, page 84 there is not a single Tea Party organization nor even a well coordinated network instead a gaggle of jostling and sometimes competing local and national organizations none of them directly controlled by the institutional Republican Party are pushing to influence GOP office holders, candidates and voters so it's not particularly well organized No, that's what I'm hearing here no, not at all. And I mean, again, this is like, I think, a real useful corrective pushback against this idea that this is all essentially like Koch brothers or the puppet masters of these protests. And it's like clear when you actually start organ- looking at these groups organizationally that that is far from the truth. Um, hmm. That this is a. If only they could hear. If only. Scotch Paul and Williamson could hear this collection of recordings that I have. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of ads. So the she we'll get to the Koch brothers' role. Uh, I just mean to say that like there's a lot of radio advertising money that's helping to keep this in people's minds. Right. Whether that results in control doesn't have to, you know what I mean? Well, but, I mean, but like, there were meant plenty of moments here where I thought about the moss, right? Uh-huh. So, I mean, the fact that we've just come off of reading this story about the moss with these grassroots groups that are affiliated sort of loosely, sometimes not even fully members of, like, the party, right? And, I mean, I think what you see with the Tea Party mm-hmm. actually looks, I mean, it starts to resemble this, mm-hmm. right? Where you definitely have things going on at the elite level, Mm-hmm. Which I think we, I, I don't know what the next chapters are coming, but there's the last chapter tonight. We'll talk about the Koch brothers a bit more. Maybe this chapter actually that you're in now. Um, but the, they are definitely active and making a big difference nationally. 
Mm -hmm. and in the national conversation. But at the local organizational level, it's every man, it's, it's wild. It's the wild west. Well, it's, or it just has nothing to do with, right. like, where they influence is, and how they influence is interesting, but mm. not by really controlling the, um, like, the leader. Like, there's no, there's not, like, ties to that leadership to the, you know, like, the mm -hmm. Koch brothers aren't, like, putting leaders in in these mm -hmm. local orgs mm -hmm. or, like, even, like, determining what's happening at their meetings or, right, that, I mean... At best, they're like having this sort of symbiotic relationship of like, hey, we'll host an event and like mm -hmm. you can show up and you can get news attention and we get some people bodies to go to our thing, you know, like. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so it's a it's yeah, it's interesting in that way, I think. OK, um, page 98. Overall, the Tea Party does not manifest this classic pattern of federated activity in which local groups elect higher-level leaders. As we are about to see, national organizers involved in the Tea Party are not elected or accountable. These groups are managed and funded from above. But in some states, local Tea Parties have found ways to link themselves together in coordinating arrangements. Yeah, so like, there's, I think, the thing that this quote points out that is related to what we were just talking about is that there's actually a huge gap between the local orgs and the national mm -hmm. orgs. So instead of this being like, it builds from the local and goes up to the state and goes up to, the, like, it's not like something that is somehow, it's neither ruled from the top down with this like clear structure going down to the local level, nor is it built from the ground up, that there is a disconnect between the things that are happening at the national level and the things that are happening at the, local level. They in fact call mm -hmm. this chapter that this stuff is coming from, um, let me see if I can find the chapter title for you. Really, it's got like the word like roving billionaires in the, mm -hmm. in the title. So mm -hmm. this one was called um, Mobilized Grassroots and Roving Billionaires, the Panoply of Tea Party Organizations. Mm -hmm. Right, so it's like, but it is these two separate realms of of activity that are only somewhat and loosely linked together. Uh, and the media stuff is coming. So okay. we'll get to podcast about that next week. Just the vibe that I'm getting is of like leaders, it's almost like they're watering a garden, you know? Yes, yes. I think and that's right. So... The groups don't exist without the continued infusion of water. Which isn't necessarily money. Right. No, not necessarily money. Yeah. But it's sort of like the Koch brothers bought a wildflower seed packet at Lowe's. And... No. No. It's more like the Koch brothers saw a bunch of wildflowers and were like, shit, we need flowers. This is great for us. These are just the flowers we were looking for. Like the Koch brothers are actually the glommers on to, okay. to the tea party. I mean, the Koch brothers had been operating with a libertarian agenda for years previous to this, right? But that the tea party yeah. erupts 
and, and they're like, this is just what we need. This is just what we need. Well, and so there's like, then this kind of Looks like my next quote is coming. Uh, it includes the Koch brothers. After the 2008 election, the Koch brothers and their organizational allies were determined to do all they could to limit, humiliate, and defeat Barack Obama and other Democrats. But they also wanted to remake the GOP, ensuring that the Republican Party does not tack back toward the middle in rhetoric or policymaking. Well, you succeeded. Yeah. The Tea Party eruption in 2009 was just what the doctor ordered. Suddenly, prospects were better for ultra-free market funders and affiliated idea pushers to try to link up with grassroots Tea Partiers. And in due course, speak in their name. Right. So, like, I think that this is the idea that, like, they come to speak in the name of the Tea Party. Who's the they? The Koch brothers and those groups that are allied, sort of the the allied orgs there, that then sort of use the Tea Party as their own, a way to frame their own activities. Which is, again, why you initially are like, the libertarians win, right? Right, but it's like, exactly. Actually, at the local level, that's not at all true. Um, mm. But that you have this interesting thing where then this previously sort of long-standing, just a, I don't know how long the Koch brothers have been involved, but in any case, they were certainly precede this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, got also animated by the election of Obama, but um, but then they're able to sort of use the Tea Party framework. And one of the things that you see from the national orgs, I don't think I gave you a quote about this, but it's interesting. Um, I think the students will find it interesting uh, and I hope they notice this in the text, was there's this discussion of the national framing and how like the national framing is the blandest kind of mm-hmm. small government. Like no nothing concrete, like right. the kind of like to like, the best attempt to kind of keep your kind of coalition partners at the grassroots be able to be like identifying with your kind of national projects. Um, So yeah, but sort of using that mantle because it became politically efficacious and um, as opposed to there being, yeah. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, Page 116. The need for a steady flow of programming at local meetings allows national ideological organizations to provide a welcome service to grassroots tea parties, whose members offer offer a warm and largely unskeptical reception to ideas ranging from political policies, I'm sorry, practical policies, to conspiratorial visions. So this I found really interesting. Yeah, I thought that you really might great. find this interesting. Yeah, is that it actually really seems like what these national orgs are providing is actually less money. Like, according to Scotchville and Williamson, all these groups are doing their own like piddly fundraisers. They're like trying to charge membership dues to like mm-hmm. get some like stable income. Like these are not like well greased sort of grassroots groups. They put the social and social movement here. Yeah, but... By giving them a reason to come together. Yeah, but then you have these national, like, groups that are providing these, like, speakers on the circuit, and that, that, Mm -hmm. like, a lot of these ideas are flowing not only through the email lists, presumably, but because you need programming, right, Mm -hmm. to bring your people out, to have something for them to do. And so then you're, you're bringing out these, you know, leaders that are in these national orgs that are 
then kind of vetted, right, that, oh, these would be the kind of right people who we might turn to. Mm -hmm. They're a group that is aligned with us. And then you get the circulation of those ideas through these speaker circuits, which I found that to be really interesting, that, like, part of what the national groups are doing is circulating ideas, not money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which I found fascinating. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty crazy. I wanted to know how... How those networks get built of the speakers and like what exactly I don't know I mean it was clear that it's like that these are coming from these like that somehow they're coming I mean it's like this is all the Koch brothers have the so they have their groups are called their group is called Freedom Works mm -hmm. I think they're also connected to Americans for Prosperity yeah those are the those are the ones that are advertising to the Cato Institute Probably. And then there's another group that's called the Tea Party Patriots, which mm -hmm. is, unlike the Koch brothers groups, more attempt, does more, what do I want to say? This is in one of your quotes, I think, but does is doing much more to actually try to sort of coordinate those grassroots groups than the Koch brothers, right? The Koch brothers actually seem very, from, from, Hands the, off. Yeah, seem, from this like sort of portrayal that they are like, not in any way attempting to like coordinate this movement into uh, apart from where they just find it useful to have those people mobilize mm -hmm. in concert with something they're you know going after and then mm -hmm. doing educational programming. All right, here is my last quote. Uh, this is from page one eighteen. The national group, the Tea Party Patriots, has attempted to weave tighter ties with local organizations. Yet coordinating a political phenomenon steeped in the rhetoric of states' rights and local control remains a major challenge. One activist accused the three main national organizations of trying to aggrandize themselves off grassroots efforts. Yes, yeah, so the other fascinating thing here is that this attempt at... Some of them don't want to play ball. Many of them. So, like... Not even all the Tea Party local groups are affiliated with the Tea Party Patriots. Because, like, they won't. So, like, if you were trying to catalog the Tea Party mm -hmm. groups, you can't just, like, go to the Tea Party Patriots page, webpage, or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, at this time, I don't know how active any of that it still is, but you couldn't, even at their heyday, right, you couldn't, like, go and, like, get a list a of all the up. active right. affiliates or whatever. It's, like, some of them would be associated there, but... Some of them weren't linked in any way, so their website was just a standalone website, not linked to any kind of hmm. national group. Crazy. Yeah. So I thought they're they're an interesting, and again, it like I feel like I saw sort of reverberations to some degree, or not reverberations, but like echoes or something. I don't know what's the right word of the moss, like right mm -hmm. where I was like, there are things here that are reminding me of this kind of. I mean, the moss, of course, was I think more. It itself was a party, and here is like a group that's pushing a party. But mm -hmm. we're gonna see next week, I think, the a look more at that relationship between the elected elections and elected officials. Mm -hmm. I think it, as well as the media is coming up for next week. Um, but there still were things that were making me think of just like when I was thinking about how our Grateful Dead bus of the moss, right? Mm -hmm. The sort of uncoordinated, sort of in many ways, right? 
kind of chaotic situation, I thought that the Tea Party reminded me a little bit of that, where it's this very unorganized, very much bottom-up um, organization mm -hmm. that then has this national sort of voice that I imagine when we get into this media part is going to be projecting itself far more in the media than I'm these local sure. groups are capable of. Um, but we'll we'll have to sort of see where that goes. But it was a, it's an interesting look, and I feel like especially thinking about what's going on now, I mean, there was also in the chapter uh, a lot about the anti-intellectualism. Uh, in spite mm -hmm. of the fact that, interestingly, most of these people had college degrees and sometimes more, um, right. yet still have this real strong anti-expert, anti-intellectual kind of strain. Um, which surprised me that they were themselves educated mm -hmm. and still holding that view. Um, so it, it definitely was reminding me of, you know, you can definitely see Trump gets mentioned, mm -hmm. right, and the Obama birtherism stuff mm -hmm. comes up. Mm -hmm. um, so you see sort of, I think, connections some to connections today. to yeah. today. The, this, the sort of way in which this movement pushed on the Republican Party and pushed against the state, I think we are still... Um, we're yeah, still living a, in it. Seeing a We're still living of with this it. Politics, for sure. Um, in the Republican Party in the contemporary period. Yeah, we're still living it. That's for sure. Um, so anyway, so that's, I think, what we've got for tonight. Um, we'll continue thinking about the Tea Party next week. And I will Can't uh, wait. enjoy talking with uh, the students, my students here, uh, coming up. Ain't no sunshine when he's gone. It's not warm when he's away, Lord, Lord, Lord. It ain't no sunshine when he's gone. And Lord knows his home just ain't no home. Anytime he goes away, yeah, away, yeah, yeah. I wonder, I wonder this time. Don't you know I know that I gotta leave?